Hello and welcome to Just Needs, a podcast where we talk about parenting children with disabilities. I'm your host, Christina Kozik, and I'm so glad you're here. This podcast is a project of Exceptional Lives, a nonprofit organization that supports families like yours. You can learn more about Exceptional Lives at our website, www.exceptionallives.org. This week, I have another great interview for you guys. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Nilong Vias. Dr. Vias is a board-certified pediatrician and one of the top sleep consultants in the country. She has worked with parents for over 15 years and is so grateful to be referred to as a sleep doctor. Welcome, Dr. Vias, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, looking forward to getting into... um, talking about sleep, one of the things I love to do. (laughs) Absolutely. So just to, um, I just want to share with you and with our, our, um, our listeners, I got to listen to you as part of a panel many years ago when I was a new mom. And uh, we were very fortunate that we did not have any sleep problems. But (laughs) um, it was so it was just so great to like to listen to you and to listen to some of the other panelists that were there as a new mom and just kind of get some tips and tricks that I think, um, you know, really kind of helped us helped our family as we were getting started in this new stage of life. (laughs) Yes. And there's so much to know and learn and everyone's there to offer advice. And it's, it's hard to know what you should listen to and what you shouldn't and what's right. um, You know, where you should follow your gut. Cause you're like, I'm a new mom. I don't know anything, you know? Yeah. Um, But there is, there's a lot of stuff, you know, you just have to kind of trust your gut, but it's good to have the advice of experts as well to guide you when you get lost. Absolutely. So that leads me into my first question. What does a sleep consultant do? That's a great question because there are so many varieties of sleep consultants out there. It's kind of a booming business these days, and they all have varying degrees of experience. Some of them are moms who've sort of um, struggled with the sleep with their children and kind of found a way um, and so they're they're teaching families, and some are have a little more certification or education. Um, but a good sleep consultant helps families kind of identify areas in their lives where they can make changes to optimize sleep patterns and get children falling asleep independently and through the night. That should be their primary function, you know, um, in a nutshell. Um, I specifically help parents not only with sleep but also with like mealtime battles, behavior, discipline. Um, issues, because often those things are all tied together. If a child is giving you bedtime disruptions, they're most likely giving you mealtime disruptions and, um, you know, bath time, getting into the car seat, you know, all of those are can be potential struggles. Um, And I teach parents how to deal with all of that together in sort of a holistic approach. Um, And also, I look at the sleep issues from a scientific and developmental lens and focus on the recommendation based on the developmental needs of the child. Um, because if a child's not sleeping well, they're likely not eating well and having a lot of tantrums. And that means the rest of the family isn't sleeping well. So it's kind of a whole right. family approach to get everyone sleeping as they should. Oh, do I know that? <laughs> <laughs> do I know that? We, um, While we did not have sleep issues when my son was younger, once he got a little bit older and um, and 
some of his, so he has ADHD. So once that became more apparent that that was what he had and that's what we were dealing with, we started having sleep issues. And so we would have a child who would either wake up in the night and come in and climb into our bed. I always joke and say, I didn't start co-sleeping until my son was four. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Or we had a child that would wake up at three or four in the morning and couldn't go back to sleep. And so it it made for a very long day for all of us. So um, I I love that you have this holistic approach, kind of looking at everything and how it all fits together to create, um, I guess you would call it a sleep plan for that family. Exactly. Yeah. Specific to their develop, you know, first, obviously, to the developmental principles um, necessary for the child, but also the parenting practices for the family. You know, every family is so different, and what they want out of the family relationship is different. Um, Parents' work schedules are different. So, you know, sometimes, um, you know, like you might read a book that says, you know, a child should sleep seven to seven, um, but the parent gets home from work at 6 p.m., and it's hard to put the child to bed at seven, Um, without having, you know, any, you just, you know, you miss out on that family opportunity and family time. So, you know, those schedules need to be adjusted to optimize that, but also make, making sure that the child is getting adequate sleep. If they have to be awake at 6am to get ready for school or daycare, then, you know, getting them to bed at nine may not be the best solution. Um, You know, so balancing all of that is important. And a um, a consultant that can k- kind of take a look at that specifically for each family uh, is crucial. That's great. So that leads into the next question. <laughs> Why is sleep so important? <laughs> yes. So as we learn more, I mean, so much research is being devoted towards figuring out why we sleep and why sleep is important. And what we've discovered is just as the body has a lymphatic system that cleans itself um, the brain has something called the glymphatic system and it clean, you know, that's, what's responsible for cleaning the brain. And it's during sleep that that system gets activated. Um, so the brain is cleaning itself at night during sleep. It's consolidating memories. It's putting all the activities, emotions, experiences of the day and compartmentalizing it for, uh, for easier access in the future. So it's a crucial part of the day and it's just as important as eating and breathing, but often sleep gets put last on that list of priorities because there's so much fun stuff to do and it's like okay I'll sleep you know you hear that adage I'll sleep when I'm dead the kid will get enough sleep like we have to get to activities we have to do things we have sports we have school we have homework um, and sleep kind of always gets the shaft you know in that scenario they're like all right we'll just go to bed a little later we'll try to sleep in on the weekends but um, I was just quoted in an article saying you know, just like if you miss a, a few days at the gym, you can't then that following day, you know, have double the amount of weights to make up for what you lost. Right. You know? right. So the same thing with sleep. If you miss a couple hours here and there, you can't sleep extra to make up for it. Um, you may be able to take a nap here and there to kind of balance it out. But for kids who have chronic sleep debt and sleep loss, they just don't make it up. And during, you know, zero to three is when the crucial brain development is happening and missing out on um, sleep at that time can be deleterious to their health. You know, it's not like, and I always tell parents, it's not like they won't read, write, walk and talk. They will, but they may not do it at their full potential if they're not getting adequate sleep. 
Yeah, that is, you just like blew my mind with that <laughs> glymphatic system. Um, had never heard that before. And so that's really cool. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, we've, I think, you know, I know I can say this, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners could say that, you know, it's always that, that like, oh, we'll just make it up on the weekends and, you know, we'll have a low key weekend or, you know, we have one day a week where we don't do anything, but really it's, it's, um, it's a daily, a, a daily thing. And yeah, I know in just, our family, we try to limit extracurricular activities. Um, so that way we're still having time together. We're still eating together and we're still getting to bed, um, pretty close to the bedtime that we, you know, we have. Yeah. And, um, and that's so important, you know, just like we focus on three meals and two snacks a day or, you know, yeah. um, just like that, it needs to be a, a constant, um, and cutting back on it, it can just, you know, lead to mood changes for the child, you know, that, um, not being able to focus in school, being tired, um, just cranky and there are no fun to be around. And then there's all this frustration, you know, around bedtime and, um, it just kind of snowballs from there. But, um, I remember when I, first had my kids, a friend was like, don't put your kid on a seven to seven schedule. That's crazy because then you'll never be able to go out to dinner. You'll never be able to do fun stuff. Right. Um, but the child needs that, you know, yeah. 10 and a half, 12 hours of sleep overnight. And if that means you, you know, get a babysitter and go out to dinner um, so the child can still get the 12 hours of sleep, that's a good option. Or sometimes, you know, if the a foundation is there and the kid is getting really good sleep, then having a day here and there where the cycle or schedule is kind of messed up is all fine too. It's just creating that good foundation where there is right. consistency the majority of the time. And then if there's disruptions to that, it's not going to be the end of the world for the child or the family. That's good. That's good to know. So what are some some tips that families can kind of maybe, I, I don't want to say tips, but what are something that, that families can kind of look at and say, hey, maybe we need to create a good sleep schedule or we need to create good sleep hygiene and how, how can they go about maybe doing some small changes to, to start that shift? Yeah. So a good sleep hygiene is um, really important because that's what kind of signals to the brain that it's time for sleep. So when you have a consistent activity schedule that, you know, this happens and this happens and this happens, then the brain is triggered to kind of start releasing all the chemical and hormonal cascades, which ultimately allows for good quality sleep. So when that, um, that schedule or routine is hindered in any way, it just sends those signals to the brain like, okay, well, maybe it's not time because there's um, a lot of light, you know, um, right. that the the child is seeing or there's, you know, a lot of activity. Um, like I always hear all the time, my kid has FOMO. Well, if those activities are constantly happening, then even if the body is giving, the brain is giving the signals to the body that, hey, I'm, I'm getting tired, I'm sleepy, there's all this fun activity the body and right. the brain are always going to be like, well, this is more fun. I would much rather do this than, you know, do the boring <laughs> sleep thing. So, um, you know, once you create that sort of system, then it just becomes a habit, you know, um, just like anything in life that you, you want to do consistently, um, creating a, a good habit is what 
allows all those systems to function appropriately. So it's super important to have a routine. And the routine doesn't have to be, you know, a lot of times parents are like, oh, I don't want to, you know, do a routine because it's just so long and drawn out. But it doesn't have to be a long drawn out thing. It can be super quick, just, you know, going in the room, pulling down the curtains, reading a book, singing a song, rocking or cuddling or, you know, talking about the day and then going to bed. It can be just, you know, quick um, series of events. Um, and what, how you know that a sleep routine may need to be instituted is if this a child is really, um, you know, resisting bedtime, all the, um, what I call shenanigans, all the delay tactics, you know, I need one more hug and one more kiss and one more this and one more that, you know, right. <laughs> um, now I need a pee and now I need to, you know, now I'm thirsty, now I'm hungry. Um, if there is, you know, a consistency with that routine, like every day they know, um, you know, after we brush our teeth, then we go into the bed and then we pick a couple of books and then, you know, it's always the same every time um, that can help them um, sort of be on board with what's what's going to happen at the end of that as well, because they know what to expect. And a lot of kids end up, even the ones that have sleep difficulties, sometimes tend to do really well in like a daycare situation because younger kids, because in in um, daycares or even schools, there's always the right. same thing that happens. They know that, you know, there's um, circle time and then after circle time, there's outside time. And then after that, there's, you know, lunch or snack. Um, and so they, they know what to expect and knowing what to expect is part of the battle with kids and, and bedtime meltdowns and tantrums and, um, um, you know, when they, when, when they're disrupting it in the sense of like, uh, just hesitating, you know, bedtime, right. um, if they know what's going to happen next, then they, the resistance goes down a lot. And that may be, mean something simple, like having a checklist, um, you know, that every day we, these are the steps that we take. Um, and then when they, the parent can say, all right, we brush our teeth, check. Um, now it's time to put pajamas on, check. You know, now it's time to um, read books, check. And then the child kind of knows, and then they'll be like, okay, now it's time for, you know, X, Y, and Z, because they'll come to expect it and know what's next instead of it always being different. So this, this, Kind of what you just described reminds me of when my son was younger. Um, <clears throat> in addition to ADHD, he also has a couple of other letters behind behind that. And so one of those sets of letters is OCD. Okay. And um, when he was uh, a toddler, he had a very particular order that we had to go in for bedtime. And he would, if if you turned off the light out of sequence, he mm -hmm. would get up and he would go turn it on and he would be like, no, we have to read first. And then you turn off the light or, you know, whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. And, um, we, as kind of annoying as it was, it was also very cute because he had his routine and it was very set in it. And, um, that was, <laughs> probably the last stage of him getting really good sleep before <laughs> before he started um you know waking up and and being an he's always been an early riser but uh being an extra early riser yeah so yeah that that just kind of triggered that memory for me yeah um, and having that routine can you know if it's a it's a simple routine it can also be modified when you're traveling or even if yeah. the child is sick you can still say okay you know let's cuddle in bed 
maybe a few minutes longer since you're not feeling well and still do the same order of reading books, singing songs, you know, rocking for a little bit or cuddling, um, you know, so it can, it can kind of move with the child and it can continue even when they're older. Right. Right. Awesome. So I have, I have a question that I uh, kind of received from some crowdsourcing and uh, I thought it was a great question. And so it's the question is, if your child is a terrible sleeper, everybody wants to tell you what you're doing wrong or what they did that worked for their child. How do I know if there is a problem with something I'm doing or if there's something more going on with the child? Yeah, that's a great question. So often the advice people offer is not wrong but it may be wrong for you and your family, you know? So every family varies on what's important to them and how the schedule can and should work for them. And it's hard to follow just a cookie cutter approach that what works for one person because the situation and the child is different. So it may not work for them. So having a personalized approach um, is essential because then the family is, you know, might be doing something before bedtime that they're unaware is something that will impact the child's ability to sleep well. And without having that education, they'll continue to do it without knowing that it's that particular behavior that's causing the unwanted behavior. So for example, um, so many of my clients come to me and say um, they have a routine where the child or family wind down by watching TV right before bed. (laughs) So that may seem, you know, in that in that moment, the child's like vegged out and you're cozy and you're cuddling on the bed or the, the sofa and you feel like, all right, you know, the, um, now it's time, you know, the show's over, we're going to go to bed. But then by the time you transition the child to bed, start the bedtime routine, the child can potentially be so wound up and then it takes like two hours to fall asleep. So that's a situation where a parent, you know, may be doing this thing as part of their routine, like watching right. TV as a family. Um, not realizing that that's the culprit that could be causing that um, the issue, the bedtime issue, because what's happening is the blue light from the device influences the body to um, secrete the adequate amounts of melatonin that's required for the child to fall asleep um, and forces them into a more wakeful state. So even though the child's vegged out while watching TV, that stimulation, like even if the uh, melatonin levels we're starting to rise, um, the TV kind of, you know, halts that process. And then now they're just wound wound up wide awake. And then it takes another, you know, couple of hours to get them calmed down and to sleep. So sometimes it's just about education and knowing, you know, what to do um, and how to do it. Um, Because everyone's doing the best they can. (laughs) You know, there's so much information available online. So you're like, oh my gosh, there's, this is like a plethora of information. I'm just going to Google all my problems and figure out how to solve them. But everyone's giving so much information, a lot of it's contradictory, and not all of it applies and can be applied to that family in particular. Right. Um, And so that's, you know, families should kind of look out for, like, take everything with a grain of salt and say, hey, how can I extrapolate this to fit my um, situation? And then getting, you know, educated by someone who knows, you know, what they're talking about, because sometimes that that's the issue, right, that you get all this. uh, Yeah information it doesn't necessarily um isn't accurate you know 
Yeah. How many TikTok videos there are about sleep and how to fall asleep quickly. (laughs) Um, I'm asked all the time, can you comment on the accuracy of this? I'm like, it should be the other way around. The physician should be writing the article saying, this is how you do it. Um, And then TikTokers should promote that. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Um, You know, in this, kind of as you were talking about, like a one, you know, one size doesn't fit all approach. Um, reminded me I have two, you know, two friends. And so one, their kids go to bed very late, but they also sleep in very early. They homeschool. So they have that flexibility. And then I have another friend who her her two children have always like fallen asleep at six o'clock. There's nothing she can do to keep them awake. That's just what their bodies have always done. And so they've embraced it. Right. And they, they, um, it, it's what works for them. And then we kind of fall in the middle and we would, you know, when we were kind of new moms, we would um, exchange kind of, oh, this is working for us and this is working for us. And there was a lot of similarities, yeah, but there was also, um, you know, a lot of differences and just kind of like you're saying, just TV doesn't work for us. It, you know, we, we, um, I say that and my, kid falls asleep watching TV most nights, but he's in his bed. We don't do the family uh, on the couch and then try to move him because we found that that wound him up. Yeah. And so then, but our other friends, their kids can, you know, um, I I mean, they'll fall asleep doing anything if it's, if it's the bedtime. (laughs) And so, (laughs) and so um, it just, that kind of made me think of, of, how all three of us, even though we were, had kids all around the same age, um, you know, we were going through all of the different developmental milestones around the same time. I mean, every kid is different and every family dynamic is different. And so um, I really appreciate you kind of uh, reiterating that. Yeah. And you got to go with what works for your family, you know, at the yeah. end of the day. So I have one more question here and um, it's around med- medication to sleep. So, um, you know, sometimes a doctor will, or a pediatrician will suggest medication or maybe even melatonin to help a child sleep. And how do you know when it's a good idea and when it is worth, you know, any side effects that, that the medication may have? Yeah. So there can be a place for medicine in certain cases where kids have a sleep-wake cycle disorder, they have diminished melatonin stores or other medical situations, but most children and all families typically who are having trouble sleeping um, have some behavior that they can change, adjust something with the routine, something with the temperature, light, you know, what they're specifically doing when the child's falling asleep, what they do when the child wakes up. So there's always some behavior that can be modified that I like to explore before starting medications. I think a lot of times, um, you know, if if parents are going to pediatricians and, and, you know, repetitively saying we're having sleep difficulties, sleep difficulties, you know, in a 15 minute visit, or if it's just a, an aside to a well visit or, a, you know, right. the kids in, for an ear infection saying, oh, yeah, also, we don't sleep well. OK. And you've said this like six times already. Let's try melatonin, you know, but a right. lot of times they have, a, you know, there isn't enough time to get into the the nitty gritty of what specifically is happening at bedtime and what could be changed, what could be adjusted. And a lot of times 
there's behavioral changes that can be made that will help them um, start falling asleep um, better at bedtime and then staying asleep through the night. Um, and there is, like I said, a place for, for melatonin. Often it's either like with those medical conditions I mentioned or with like jet lag travel, you know, there's a great need for that. Or if a child is just sort of off their schedule or if they've recently started ADHD medication, you know, there's, there's a whole handful of situations where medication is appropriate, but often what happens when it's just like, oh my gosh, I'm so frustrated. This isn't working. You know, my child's waking up or not falling asleep. Bedtime's taking, you know, three hours. Um, let me try melatonin. Somebody said it worked great for them. Let me try it. Right. And it either works, um, but works for a short period of time. And then a lot of families have rebound from the melatonin and have they, the child falls asleep within seconds and then wakes up at three or 4 a.m. wide awake. Um, and so it's this, you know, catch 22, like, what do you want? Like, it, you know, a, a quick bet. That, <laughs> that was our experience with melatonin. Um, yeah. And, uh, and so we, we don't use it, um, because it, I was like, I'd rather fight the battle at night and get him to sleep all the way through the night than have to send him to school, having woken up at four in the morning, Yeah, you know, and then they're and sleepy, so, like right when it's time to wake up for, yeah, this, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. and so, you know, again, it, it has to be a like sort of curated approach for that family. So I'm not completely opposed to it, but I'm also, um, you know, hesitant to recommend it until all of those other things have been tried. If we've tried all the yeah. behavioral approaches, um, but even families, you, you know, I think when we initially spoke, like I, I worked with families with ASD um, that, and children with ASD can have sleep-wake cycle issues um, right. and may benefit from melatonin, but often just behavioral changes get them sleeping through the night. So um, you having that on hand as the magic bullet, you know, to kind of, um, help fix a cycle if a child's off track is is fine. Um, but then being mindful not to keep them on it long term, right. especially if you're seeing um, those rebound side effects. Um, okay. And the other thing that's important to note is whenever you're given any medication exogenously, meaning like from the outside um, for something that you already make internally, the um, feedback loop says, hey, wait a minute, I don't need to make this anymore, or make as much yeah. of it anymore because I'm getting it from somewhere else. And so the, the natural rhythms of the body making the melatonin get suppressed by getting melatonin from outside. So then you need more and more melatonin to have that same effect. And then your body is just not making it the way it it's meant to. Um, and even though, you know, it seems like so... Um, benign because it's over the counter you can get it anywhere and it's you know right. gummy form and um you know easy to administer um and that i think makes it difficult for parents because they're like well i'm having sleep difficulties there's this medicine that everyone says works great i can get it for cheap all over the counter so it must be safe yeah. um, but a lot of the uh, melatonin hasn't been tested um, because it's considered a supplement and um, they tested a variety of different brands and um, pills. And because of the gummy formation, there may be a lot of medication in the left side of the gummy and not enough in the right side, you know, oh, and sometimes parents split it in half because they can't get a dose that's small enough for their child. And so the child um, and between the different um, pills, even in the same bottle, 
they, there wasn't um, consistency with the dosage within the gummy. So um, some nights they might be getting a, a much larger dose than what's listed on the bottle and some nights getting a much smaller dose. Um, and so trying to work through the behavioral things first and then using that as a second line if needed is my approach. Okay. Awesome. I, that's such good information. <laughs> so thank you. Um, and if families wanted to reach out to you, where can they find you? Yeah, so they can um, look on my website, sleeplessandnola.com. And if they want to just chat for a few minutes to kind of see if we're a good fit um, and ask questions and kind of give me their um, what the, the difficulties are, they can schedule a free appointment at sleeplessandnola.com um, backslash consult. And then um, um, I'll chat with them, kind of tell them what the different packages are and um, see if we're a good fit. And hopefully, um, I feel like every family who comes to me is in need of some assistance. And I would love to work with every single family um, and help them reach their goals because sleep is so crucial, as, as we talked about, and it really impacts the child's um, mood, their behavior, the way they interact with the world. And so focusing on that, even though it's difficult, even though it's really hard yeah. to you know, change what you're doing. Um, and sometimes it can feel overwhelming for parents like, oh, I don't want to work on this because I know it's <laughs> going to be hard. Um, but once you do that work, it's so awesome. You do your routine, you put your child to sleep, they fall asleep and they stay asleep through the night. They're better rested. They're happier. They, um, you know, will listen to you better because they're well rested and everything right. falls into place a lot better when the child's rested. So even though it's hard, you know, do that favor for yourself, um, mom and dads, you know, that are listening um, and and give yourself that gift of, of better sleep um, for you and your child. So sleeplessandnola.com. I'm a pediatrician and I focus specifically on um, the sleep needs of all children from birth through adolescence, um, neurotypical, atypical, um, medical conditions. I do all of it. <laughs> awesome. That's so great. That's so great. Um, well, listeners and families that are listening, we will have um, a link to Dr. Vias's uh, site in our show notes. And with that, I think we're going to sign off. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for I hope joining us. A difference in somebody's life. <laughs> I hope. I think it will. I think it will. These are. I mean, these are some some great uh, advice and some great. You know, just a better understanding of kind of how the whole process works. Um, I know will help people. It, it'll. I'm already thinking of some things that we could tweak in our own house uh, after just this <laughs> this conversation. So, yes. Awesome. Thank you so much. Of course. This podcast is hosted by me, Christina Kozik, for Exceptional Lives. You can subscribe and follow the podcast at our website, www.exceptionallives.org forward slash just needs podcast. Our website has hub articles. We have um, a disability services finder for Louisiana and Massachusetts, as well as blogs and podcast episodes uh, for you to enjoy. We'd love for you to follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok at Exceptional Lives. 
And if you enjoyed this episode, please let us know by leaving a five-star rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening.